mean, keystrokes, the amount of time it takes you to type something lets people know what your age is. Like, Interesting. Statistically, if you're typing slower, you're more than likely an older person or a very young person. So, like, it'll start to take out factors. Oh, so your target demographic is the fast typers because those are the ones with the expendable income and they haven't learned how to be responsible yet. Exactly. But, like, it's it's that level of minute detail is the data that they're collecting when you use any free service. Do you know about the target pregnancy algorithm? The target pregnancy algorithm? I don't know what it is called, but that's how I refer to it. This in a digital channel on our cell phones, that's new, right? New-ish, right? Last five, ten years. Target has had this understood for a long time. They had this idea that there's a window of opportunity in which you will switch from being a Walmart shopper to a Target shop- shopper, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. And that comes with some kind of a life change event. I've got to furnish a new house, or yeah. I got married, or um, where am I going to start uh, shopping for I babies? See what you're saying. Okay. And they said that like the most for for them based on their assumptions or their data, the most likely anyone would ever be to be a target shopper to make the switch to becoming a target shopper would be somebody um, furnishing a a new baby room. Yeah. Based on the shopping patterns that you had at Target, um, this is even before like they can track you from your card number. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, forgetting about like target.com online shopping. Yeah. Um, this is just like in-person transactions. Mm-hmm. They could still look at the items that you were buying mm-hmm. and the frequency that you were buying and, and all this data, and they could accurately predict when you and your spouse were pregnant before you and your spouse knew that you were pregnant. That's crazy. And then they would start sending you um, the... Baby mail. Yeah, the baby mail. Yeah. Before you knew that you were pregnant. Before the Stark delivered the baby to you. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony Stark, Stark delivers delivered babies. the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this this isn't new. It's just digital. So, like, a lot of your major corporations have heat maps of their stores to know foot traffic and to be able to design the shelves in a way that, ma- like, it's it's it all just boils down to humans are meat computers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we we don't realize it, but we do a lot of things the same exact way every time, and we can we're extremely predictable meat computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of this has happened since the dawn of time. Honestly, like laws are created to mediate the direction that the computers are going. Yeah, it's like another way of looking at it. Yeah, we all know about IKEA setting themselves up like a maze. Yes. Yes. Um, prior to that. The impulse buys, the candy at mm-hmm. the ca- cash register, yeah, the magazines. You put it on sale, two for a dollar, when really mm-hmm. it's only worth like 20 cents, but you're paying such a huge upcharge for this specific thing. And even even the the um, the um catalogs that you used to get, if you're from like a Sears Roebuck person shopping, they send you catalogs and they have toy sections in them because your kids are going to want to buy toys. Yep. So all of the advertising wasn't really for adults. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was created in a Montgomery Ward uh, catalog. Is that true? That's 100% true. Rudolph wasn't like a, someone thought of this cool story. No, he was specifically made to sell things. Santa Claus was created to sell more products in the late 1800s when department stores were becoming huge. So then you would bring your kids to the store. Department stores came out in the 1800s? Yes, department stores were in the late 1800s. 
Wow. Yeah. Like it, that's when you have your like your catch all stores mm-hmm. where you go here, you can get everything you need, and they started growing from there. They had catalogs and stuff back then too. When did Santa Claus um, decide to go exclusive with Coke? Um, early 1900s is when that visualization of Santa Claus came to fruition. And when? the the version that Coke drew was once again for advertising to confuse the meat computers. That version that they drew isn't the same one that the original creation of Santa Claus was. The original creation was once again for a department store advertisement to sell more toys. That's so interesting. So like a lot of a lot of the things that we pay attention to that we consume are just ways of convincing us to let go of our money. Yeah. And then that data from how how fast we walk through a store or what aisles are used more or what products sell faster, that's all used to figure out more about us. Almost like if you if you wanted to find out a lot about a person, you rifle through their garbage and you can find out so much personal information. So the department stores or or the whoever has this information, yeah. they rather than like rifling through our garbage, they're rifling. Well, they're basically like, yeah, yeah. You rifle through somebody's garbage, you find their receipts. That's yeah. something we do in penetration testing, right? Yeah. What kind of information are we seeing people throw away? Yeah. Oh, this has customer information for it. That's bad, right? I guess we've just made it easier for people to see yeah. our receipts. It really is wild when you go into detail the stuff that it's not even behind the curtain either. People who do it will tell you, like, yeah, we know everything about you. Even if you're trying to not let us know everything about you, we know everything about you. Yeah, I mean, like, Consumption's I, weird. you're talking about it. I pulled up my phone now, and the first ad I get, it's after the first post, I believe. Um, the first ad I get is for a company called Dumb Good, and it's their Jurassic Park line. Yeah. 100%, that's me. I don't... Dumb Good, whatever the company is selling, that's I'll, for you. I'll take it. Yeah. Dumb Good. Uh, a lot of clothing because right now I'm trying to like renew or re up. Not my look wardrobe. like a homeless person anymore. It's look. I look. I don't look like a homeless person right now. Okay. Yeah. Currently, you. It's like um, you couldn't afford all of the scrubs. <laughs> okay. It's all clothing that looks nice. I'm gonna eat a chocolate bar and then we'll start this podcast. Okay. What are your ideas? Uh, I just want to talk about how. Just right into the end of the microphone. How please. computer technology. How, like, people operating on computers are represented in film. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like this one should be about ransomware? I feel like this one should be, right? The coastline pipeline thing, it's a big... This podcast is just about safety online, honestly. That's what cybersecurity is at its core. It's just stay safe in a digital world. Yeah. Which means we... We don't have to have the word cybersecurity in something. It doesn't have to be a breach. Mm-hmm. It could literally be the same thing we were taught when we were in the 90s when computers were new. And it's like, hey, whatever you do, yeah. don't go to these sites. Right. Don't give away your personal information to someone you met on AI. I can't say it. AOL. What is happening to you? AOL Instant Messenger. Do you remember your AOL Instant Messenger name? Never had one. The age gap. I didn't. It's not an age gap. I lived in the boonies. Our internet wasn't fast enough to support it. Wow. Yeah, our our dial-up speed wasn't quick at all. Yeah. Like, the most we could do was send and receive emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. In high school, I had a I had a whole relationship status drama. There was this weird triangle uh, between me, my best friend, and uh, and the girl, all over AIM. The, that that was pretty much the extent of our relationship. Aim. You had an aim relationship. Yeah. Aim relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
the the first time I started with digital messaging was uh, back when Verizon was like a buy one get one free phase for most of Verizon's existence, and my brother was getting a cell phone because he was older than me. So when he got one, my parents were like, we're not going to just buy one yeah. if it's a sale. So you get to get a cell phone too. Going back to what we talked about earlier, two for a dollar. Two for a dollar. Yeah. It's a way to get people in. So he bought a BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. I got a BlackBerry as well. I think my first one was a BlackBerry Pearl. And I loved that phone. Yeah. Man. I never wanted to get rid of it because I loved the Pearl functionality, like the little wheel ball. So was that the ball in the middle of a full keyboard? Full keyboard on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Ball in the middle, screen on top. Yeah. And the follow-up to that phone was the BlackBerry Pearl Flip, which I wanted so bad, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a job, so I couldn't get it myself. Um, but I had BlackBerry Pearl and BBM, BlackBerry Messenger, yeah. was like the thing. So everybody else who had Blackberries, I would get, what's your BBM code, man? We'd BBM each other. Um, that was my first foray into digital messaging was BBM. Yeah. My start with digital messaging is far earlier than that. Well, you lived in a more metropolitan area than me. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Dude, Boonies, like, we had a farm not far away from our house. Like, yeah. we were we were deep in it. Dude, 80s Lakeland, there was farms not far, far away from our houses also. But I feel as though you're you're closer to a city location. Oh, Tampa and Orlando. We got mm -hmm. all that runoff. For not, sure. Not even Tampa and Orlando. I mean, like, the downtown Lakeland area. Our, our downtown Powhatan was the county seat so yeah. a building that in a bank yeah the closest like city area was 20 25 minutes away from us yeah for you though the closest city area because there's a development downtown that's been there for over 100 years five ten minute drive yeah that makes sense so just infrastructure is there more so than we have to create new infrastructure well this was still that weird dial into a server infrastructure gotcha. when I got started. I was using a service called Beaver. Okay. <laughs> I see you. Beaver would just allow your modem to call into somebody else's modem. That's really all it was. And this was probably with like a 2400 baud modem. Uh, a what? Twenty. Uh, what is 2600 baud? Baud is... B-O-D? B-A-U-D. I don't know if I know what that stands for. Um, but it was basically how fast your modem could be. Um, we got away from measuring it by baud and just by measuring it by how many bytes could this BPS. download. Yeah. Bods is the number of symbols, I guess, measured in baud. The baud unit de denotes symbols per second or the number of times per second the modem sends a new signal. Yeah, yeah. And this was on a half duplex modem, which means I could send, but I couldn't receive, or I could receive, but I couldn't send. Interesting. Full duplex came out later where we could send and receive at the same time because it was coming on two different wires. You said you were on a... A service called Beaver, right. which would allow me to dial into BBS networks, which was a bulletin board system, which is... It's like an early forum, just worse. No no great GUI, no, no pretty pictures, none of that. Pictures, if you had a BBS uh, server yeah, and you put a picture on it, Nobody was going to use it because it would take us all day to download your dumb picture before we could talk about our dumb, I don't know, whatever political idea we had or whatever. Um, but that was me. I got started on, on BBS. In the 80s, right? That? 90s. Because 91, the commercial internet exchange 
CIX, whatever that is, you had to have an account on AOL, Bix, CompuServe, Genie, Prodigy, or a BBS. Yeah. Um, so it could have been before 91 because you had a BBS. I, so, I mean, I was born in 86. I think it was 91, 92 that, that we did that. And then we moved to MSN, and then we moved to Earthlink. So I, the only way that I found that out was I Googled Beaver Service BBS Network. The second uh, article is Cable Chewing Beavers Take Out Towns Internet <laughs> in Uniquely Canadian Outage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at some point, I, I want to say it was sometime in the 90s, they figured out that the, the, the jacket that... Um, the outside of an Ethernet cable, the outside of the, of the data cables that you would plug into computers, um, rats, squirrels, uh, rodents love to chew on that stuff. Yeah. So they started putting a bittering agent into the jacket to cut down on pests munching through cables. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um. Hey, everybody. My name is Nate, and I'm the host of Citadel Podcast. We're supposed to do this at the beginning, but um, it's going to be recorded in the middle and then cut and pasted to the beginning. That's how I do. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a comedian. I operate a live event venue in Lakeland. I'm working on like a self-help thing by using improv to be able to turn your life around. If you feel down in the dumps or as though you want to do more with your life, I can help you use improv to get there. So I'm, I'm trying some new things. We're going to see what's going to happen. Nate's going to try to make money this year. Yo, okay. Uh, that's the, that's what Nate's trying to do. He'd like to make money so by the time his lease is up, he can either afford to live in the place that he's been doing for a year uh-huh. for once or get a house. That's too much information at the top of the podcast for you. But I just want to let you know who I am and where I'm coming from. Also, I'm a slightly overweight, but I started working out last week and my chest hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay because it's not used to working. I understand. Um, yeah, and I'm Joshua Sitta, and I'm the co-founder and CTO of Citadel. And uh, by hook or by crook, we're trying to make people more secure. That's what we want, Nate. What does that mean? What? By Nate? hook or by... More secure. No, by hook or by crook. By hook or by cook. By, by we, cook? By, yeah, uh-huh. we're either going to cook them a meal or we're going to attack I'm, them with a fish I hook. said by cook because I don't know what the phrase is, not okay. because I was making fun of you. By hook. Uh-huh. Or by crook. Uh, look, it's it, all it means is that we want to do whatever we can to make people more secure. What that, it what it literally means. Thank is, you. Can you do what I asked? We'll either catch them like with a fish hook. Yeah. We'll get them on the line somehow by through some bait, get them in, mm-hmm. or we'll just we'll kick. We'll do a B and E. We'll break and enter, and okay. we'll just make them more secure hey. against their own will. It looks like someone broke in. You mind if we help? Who broke in? Us. <laughs> we here to help you not get broken into again. Yeah, yeah. Sure is a shame about you getting broken into. Yeah, someone didn't pay their protection payments this month. Uh, I I am frustrated. Over what? I'm I'm frustrated with I'm frustrated with um. We don't have to talk about ransomware this whole podcast. We can do whatever we want. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. I'm. I want to tell you that I'm frustrated with how many warning signs there are about ransomware, mm-hmm. only to have corporations do nothing about it. Yeah, I, I'm talking about this this uh, Colonial Pipeline situation, right? And it's if you don't know, we're talking about a um, a a ransomware attack that uh, has completely locked up 
the largest gas pipeline in America. Which is a bad time to lock up the largest gas pipeline because they're already talking about having a gas shortage in the U.S. Really? I didn't know that. Actually, worldwide, because there aren't enough truck drivers to drive the gas to meet the demand, which is rapidly increasing. Interesting. So we're heading toward like a 1970s style gas situation. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Shop local. You don't have to drive as far. Support small business. No. There's a positive in everything. There's not a positive in this one. This one's genuinely, you're either going to pay a ton of money for gas or there won't be any. Yeah. So to have a pipeline shut down because of ransomware, which you're about to talk about, that's not good. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, there was there's a big ransomware attack on this, uh, the largest pipeline, the gas pipeline in America, and it's being categorized in the news right now as an attack on America's energy sector. And I feel like maybe that's true. Maybe there was a, a group of there was a consortium, a shadowy consortium of bad guys who got together and said, you know who we need to take out? We need to take out the American gas pipeline because mm-hmm. they're already having a shortage and this is really going to affect their economy. Maybe that happened. What I think is far more likely is what we see every single day, which is just another corporation that didn't pay attention to their cybersecurity risk before it was too late. I bet this is more of a crime of opportunity. Um, there's some early attribution that came out today um, about a uh, an Eastern European cybercrime ring that, that was behind this attack. And it's still being characterized as an attack on our energy sector. But I bet it was a crime of opportunity. I bet they attacked yeah. a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And the ones that fell for it were... the One of the many that fell for it were uh, this this pipeline. Um, and I... I get frustrated because then I go and I read these articles and it's like, okay, now you got the Department of Homeland uh, Security's secretary out there. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, hey, this is a big deal. Ransomware, it's a big deal. And small businesses today, they need to consider it an existential threat. And I was like, that's pretty powerful, but also sounds really familiar. I keep reading on in the article and it's like the number of ransomware incidents increased by 300% in America in 2020. And I was like, man, that's compelling. But also, this seems really familiar. Everything that the the secretary said this week, she's repeating uh, assistant director of the FBI last year. These these numbers, the 300% increase between 3 and 400% increase in ransomware, that was on a study... Uh, that the FBI performed in, in in aggregate on cybercrime during the pandemic. It's not going to change. I know it's frustrating. It's not going to change. People don't understand the value of it until they're underwater. Like, I don't think I need a life jacket when I'm on a boat. I don't. The reason why I have a life jacket when I'm on a boat is because I'm legally required to have a life jacket. Okay, so, okay, so right now, the House just met and they had a week-long... Uh, I don't know, what's it called? A conference, a talk, a week-long... Congress. Congress. They held Congress uh, for ransomware on a week. Just the topic of ransomware. And Congress is going to dole out... uh, It looks like this is going to move forward. Um, The proposal is that they're going to dole out about $500 million in grants to extend to uh, local government. Um, 
pub, the public sector. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not that's not you as a small no, business owner. I'm a private sector. I don't know where I stand on privacy issues. Interesting. Because I want I want to be able to sell my data. To like pick and choose who I'm selling it to. You know. Other than that, I, like I don't care that Google Maps knows where I go. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't like. In my head, I can't think of any reason why I'd want to hide it. I, I'm, if I have something to hide, then yeah, absolutely, I want to do everything I can to keep it hidden. But I, I like, the, if Google Maps doesn't know, the government will be able to figure out. Like, someone will know because I carry a tracker in my pocket. Sure. Yeah. Why don't I also gain the ability to know what everyone else knows? And because I have like seven email accounts, Google's confused as to who's doing what half uh-huh. the time. It's like, wait, 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 wait. What's Swan City Improv doing at this bar right now? Aren't you supposed to be? Wait, and why is why is Nate here? But also, why is the food tour company at the bar? Do they just, what is happening? Google can't understand the concept of the Godhead three in one. So, um, yeah, it's it's like I'm, I'm unconcerned with where my data goes, A, because there's no way I'll be able to track it all. Yeah. And B, I, I don't have anything. It's not like I need it for anything. Uh, maybe maybe that apathy for privacy issues is what small business owners feel towards cybersecurity. What do you mean maybe? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. To me, of course, like it, it, cybersecurity is ingrained in my business. Yeah, the, the answer is the business doesn't think they need it. It's not, it's not an apathy. You need to find people who've been compromised because people who haven't been compromised will not see the value in it. I'm not satisfied with that. I know. I know. Here's, I know. Here's why I'm not satisfied. For most businesses. Now the rate, three years ago, 50% of businesses mm-hmm. who have their first major cybersecurity incident go out of business. Half of them. Now, three years later, it's 60%. These numbers are from Forbes and from the Better Business Bureau. They're not my numbers. It's a losing game for small businesses today. Your first incident is the one that puts you out of biz, uh, out of business greater than 50% of the time. We've got to figure out a way to make people care about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Be- we, 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 have to, we have to figure this out. I think it's... I, I think it's like a... I, being a person on the other side... I understand because I, I I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. But being a person on the side, like why I don't need it is the thought of every business. I'm just a boutique shop. I just sell clothes. I just have square. I don't need it. Yeah, but but in my head, I'm like, okay, you're a boutique shop. How long have you been a boutique shop? Six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. How hard did you have to work? To get your business to the point where you you launched and you made it, you you are now a successful small business. Yeah. People know you; they're buying your products. You've got people who depend on you now. Yeah, there's there's customers who depend on you for that bougie dog blanket or whatever it is that you sell. I call it a danket. There's customers who depend on you. You're the only danket supplier around. Yeah. Uh, your employees they they depend on you for payroll. Yeah. You empower them to live their lives. I do. I'm a busy business boutiqueer. 
you're only a busy business boutiquer because you've made it and it can all get taken away. There's two forms of government now who are trying to tell you. Yeah, but who's going to want to steal from me? It's not like they're going to come in and take my dankets. The, the answer to your ridiculous question is literally everyone on the internet. I don't have anything anyone wants. You have money. Yeah, but I do it through Square. Square protects me. Ooh, Square protects Square. Take it from somebody who worked for a bank. Bank gonna protect bank. Big bank take little bank bank. Whoa, I, I have a little bank. Big <laughs> bank is gonna take my bank? Can I tell you... Am I going the wrong way? <laughs> can, can I tell you that I've never heard the song. Yeah. But just while driving now, I will get you stuck in my head saying, <laughs> big, big bank, bank take, take little bank bank. bank. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, some of this, some of this has been made easier from cloud backup software for things like, uh, you know, Google Photos and and, and things like that. Um, but when we were working for Pyramid, there were we always had people coming in. They would just be in a panic, and they'd be like, "Look, this these are the only pictures I have mm-hmm. of uh, of our baby, of our firstborn child. Yeah, and they're all locked up in ransomware." I got to get this data back somehow. Yeah. Um, it's It always seemed to be, when you're just talking about an individual, it's always it's always data that's attached to an emotion. Um, pictures that are irreplaceable. We had graduate students that would come in and they'd been like, listen, I've, I've been typing this dissertation for three months. Yeah. And it's locked up. There's no backup of this. I have to get this back up and running. It always seems like ransomware... Praise on the people who need that data the most. Yeah. Right? I have a lot of my data backed up in clouds and online. So if they get my passwords, then they can have all my data. Uh-huh. But they're going to need to get my passwords because I don't keep most of my data local to my computer. Because mm. I'll like hop on a computer or be in a different account. So I'll need to be able to access it from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, or like on my phone. So I have to have it in a cloud or know that it's in somewhere that I can grab it real quick to do whatever I need to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my data is safe. That's why ransomware can't get me. Yeah. I mean, you you run into extra, not as an individual, but if you were a business who was going to align yourself to that strategy of just using software as a service applications rather than having like your own stuff that's saved in-house, you run into some other concerns. Um, Trophenia has a really uh, a wise mind for preventing something that we call vendor lock-in, which is where you become so ingrained on a software as a service provider's ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Some applications ecosystem, their way of doing things that you you build your whole business around how you interface with that system. Yeah. And how you manage the data that's in that one spot. You become reliant on that vendor. Okay. So now there's other functions that are that are outside with some competitor. You can't easily migrate to those new functions. You're locked in. You you kind of got to stick with that one vendor. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're looking at me cagey. No, you just said reliant, and I said K. Keep going. You missed it, but it's fine. Um, it's not important. Where do I go now? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, Vendor lockout. So you've got all your stuff on one specific uh, SaaS uh, software as a service? Yep. You've got all of it on there, and then you lose access to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're locked out of all your information. So a lot of times what you'll see is a business they'll make the decision to go with one vendor over another or whatever. 
based on Microsoft, Google, something like that. Yep. And they'll, and they'll do it based on price. What's available? What can I get for free? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they start using that because it's, it meets the budget. And then as they grow, they feel friction anytime they start to outgrow the functionality of that platform. Okay. Well now my business is wrapped up in that provider. Mm-hmm. How do I get from there to the thing that is right sized for my organization? Yeah. A lot of times it's a, it's a clean start which means you have to rebuild all of your business pro- uh, processes. And that can be, it could be nearly impossible. Yeah. So you'll see people who are just chained to some sunk cost that they have in an application that they made a decision on 10 years ago, but they can't get off of it because they're so reliant Okay. on that solution. You paused for me and I didn't want to do it. I know, yeah. You're that kind of obstinate. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty obstinate. Mm-hmm. You need to remember that there's all these steps that have to happen before ransomware goes in and encrypts your data. Start at the very beginning. It's got to get to you. And it can get to you through CNN. It can get to you through CNN. Yeah, we talked about this on Mueller Mares. We did, about the CNN banners. Yep, you got two main methods of deployment, of, of them getting their ransomware on you. One is through a phishing email. It's the, the most common. And the other is a pirate boat. And the other is? Phishing email. You click the link, and now you got it on your computer. Yep. Uh, the other one is malvertising. Which is a pirate boat. You go to... <sighs> you go to a website and that advertisement has some sort of thing in it that can just hop on your computer. You don't even need to click it sometimes. Yep, yep. You just need to load it. And when it's loaded, it knows it's time to go it. Yep. So just you... Essentially, you have to actively get ransomware. So a foolproof method of not getting ransomware on your computer is just don't use your computer. Okay, yeah. That is That is one option. Okay, so uh, listen, if you've got critical data, put that on a computer that people don't use. If you're not logging into that computer, if you're using it like a server, it's that much more difficult for ransomware to get on that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you're now making ransomware accomplish one more thing. They have to get from your computer to the computer no one uses. Exactly. Because that's an old computer. It's a gateway. So no one's going to hop on the gateway. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's too slow. Too slow. Too slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not using the computer is a great way of doing it, but I'm not that type of guy, Josh. I need my Facebook. Yeah, so if if you're most if you're most businesses in the world, you're you're following a a strategy that is just prevent the bad stuff from happening. Block websites. Block websites. That's a great great thing to do. Use a web content filter. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, set up the firewall that you have uh, on your network. Firewall. Why are you saying it that do, way? Do, 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 Don't get another song firewall. stuck in my head. Do, 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 this is going to be, be me driving down the highway now. It's a uh, it's a parody of Fireball by um, bald-headed dude, Pipple. The song goes, Fireball. Do, no, do, I heard do, it. Do, do, do. I was here last time. Do, 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 do. No, I got do, 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 it. Does do, he do, do that do. with his shoulders? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Fireball. Yeah, that's what it is. So I, so I went, instead of fireball, what I did was firewall. Dude, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can keep this joke forever. Get a firewall on your computer. But actually set it up, yeah. right? Two different kinds of firewalls. There's a firewall that's on the computer. That's a host firewall. Or you've got the network firewall, the thing that sits next to the modem, or sometimes is the modem. And it's essentially an active wall of fire preventing anything bad from getting through. Yeah, imagine it burns everything that uh, you don't want to have coming into yeah. the network. The things that it recognizes as bad. Yep. Uh huh. Absolutely. And um, it, yeah. Best case scenario, you've actually got uh, folks at your business who 
Uh, every so often they are logging in and they are reviewing the kind of information that that is being blocked. Because um, then you know what you're being attacked Yeah, by. they're going through the ashes to check to see, like, oh, do we burn things that needed to be burned? Yep, yep. Or do we need to change the filters on this? Yeah. Yep. We did an incident response for a disaster recovery company that's over in, well, that's not too far from here. And um, they had a firewall set up, but nobody was doing anything with it. Uh, nobody was monitoring it. Nobody was configuring it. There was It was just a box that the internet went through. Um, and their IT guy, their in-house IT guy, um, he told us that as soon as we got there, Yep, I saw the ransomware come in through port 3389, which means it came in over the network in a weird way. It shouldn't have... Look, we have some doubts as to whether or not that really happened. But if ransomware came in over 3389, which is remote desktop, um, if it if it really did come in that way, the firewall should shut that down. I don't trust him either. No, Don't ever trust an Isaac. Uh, His name was Isaac, right? No. Oh, well... Just for other times, don't trust an Isaac. So in your firewall, just type in "don't trust Isaac." More of a George guy than George an Isaac Mizrahi. is way more trustworthy. I mean, yeah. he's of the jungle, so mm-hmm. firewall. Yeah, web content filter. Yep, uh, email filter also. Right? Pop filter. Pop, uh, okay, so pop three IMAP. Sure. Um, <laughs> wait, what is this? Were you not saying? I was. I just I like the way you're like yeah. Uh, the thing you're saying, whatever, we'll agree just because people are listening and you need to sound intelligent. <laughs> what I'm specifically talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, you want you want a, a comprehensive email filter, something that does what you like to call attachment sandboxing. Ooh, I love me some sandboxing. We got to talk about that next week. Okay. Wow. You are dismissive today, Josh. You came in hot with an attitude. Dude, I'm... You're frustrated. No R. Yeah, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I understand your frustration. Hopefully I've helped some. No, I think I'm more frustrated by what you're saying. I think you're right, and I hate it, and... (laughs) I don't want you to be People right. are only going to hear that. They're not going to hear like the discussion we had earlier. They're just going to hear you say, I think you're right. I hate it. <laughs> this is the intro to the podcast. <laughs> All right. So either don't use your computer to avoid ransomware, set up firewall, set up web content filter, set up email filter, essentially things to make sure that those little buggies don't jump through. I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. I just wanted to start a statement with I'll say this too, just to point out how dumb the statement of I'll say this is before you say something. And I'm only doing this to you right now is because I've gotten your sass this whole podcast and I ain't give no sass back. I don't need the head shake. And I'm just giving you sass out the booty. I don't need the finger point. Oh, I'm giving it to you. You ain't, you getting it. You getting all this sass. I don't know what's happening, but you're going to get all this sass, boy. You're going to learn today where you treat me disrespectful, rude, and hateful. I don't like it. I don't stand for it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm sorry. so intimidated right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, we powered through ransomware. I have it now. Ransomware? <laughs> no, I'm going through the fake scenario we've been going through. Of like, you just contracted it. <laughs> I have it. I can feel it in my tummy. It's like it's getting locked up. It was there with the cheeses. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, my stomach's just all locked up. I had to plunge the toilet today, and there was a lizard living under the plunger. <laughs> so I plunged it, and I I put the plunger back on top of the lizard. And I feel so bad about what I did to that lizard. Um, you gave him his home back. I gave him his home back, but it was in a real situation afterwards. <laughs> um. No, I'm going through the fake scenario to prevent it. Like ways of preventing it are just don't even use the computer on the internet. Yeah. The filters we just talked about. Yep. So now I'm like, okay, cool. All that's, I've not done that. Now I have ransomware. Yeah. Um, if you have ransomware, the first thing that you need to do is call your bank. As the, every time we, we do an incident response, whoever we are talking to, they're always confused by us um, coming out so hard and fast with that recommendation, mm-hmm. call your bank. My systems are locked up here. Why do I need to call my bank? It's because in the Macaulay Culkin defense strategy, you need to know what their goal is. The what is the bad guy? What are the bad guys trying to do to you? Yeah. They're trying to steal money, right? They're trying to lock up your data not so that they can keep you from doing your business. They're trying to lock up your data so that you will give them money. Yeah. Okay, well if I have a foothold on your network, and if I can encrypt your data, I can also, I can steal your password to your online banking. Yep. I can send wires to myself because I've got your email account now. Before you get into changing your password, before you get into any of that stuff, call your bank. Let them know what's going on. This does an important thing. Have them put a note on your account. That's a, and say those words. Mm-hmm. And you put a note on my account that my, that we've, we've had a compromise here. And we don't want we we don't want any weird transactions to go out. Just say those words. What that does is it shifts the responsibility towards any upcoming or pending transactions that might go out of your yeah. your bank account. Uh, it, it 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 can help legally assign responsibility back onto the bank. Um, as often as millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars gets stolen out of somebody's bank account, there's always a lawsuit afterwards. Yeah. Right? People are trying to get that money back however they can. Big bank, take little bank. Big bank is going to take little bank because big banks got a cybersecurity team and they know that they just have to follow their instructions, their procedures that are there at the bank. Um, And you, the little guy, your cybersecurity team, who is probably no one, they have to have more compelling information than the banks if there's going to be a legal disagreement on who's responsible. Mm -hmm. Unless there are things like records of you calling in and saying, hey, treat my account with some extra caution. Yeah. Put a a freeze on the assets. Do whatever whatever you need to do. Just know that right now my systems are not well. Mm -hmm. So don't trust communication from me. Uh, That that is that is the it's an it's a such a low effort five, 10, 15 minute conversation that you have that could, that could make money come back to you if it gets stolen from you. Yeah. Second phone call, Liam Neeson. That's right. Yeah. Third phone call. Do you want me to give a third phone call? Cause I can keep going with this bit. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Third Scruff phone McGruff. call. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, three, five, three, five, six, six, oh, six, five, two. Robert I've been McGruff, sending mail to Chicago. the wrong person <laughs> for so long. <laughs> Fourth phone call. Okay, I'm done with this. Ghostbusters. Mm, that's a good one, though. Thank you. Yeah. Second phone call after you call the bank, or second step. First step, call the bank. Second step. You need to spend some time doing two things. 
getting your business back up and running and figuring out how things got in to begin with. Yeah. You're gonna you're you're, you're gonna be in this balancing act between the two. Um, I need to reset all my passwords. I know that I need to reset all my passwords. Anytime you have a, a compromise on your network, you gotta make that step. When do you when do you perform that activity? Do you do it immediately? Okay. Do it immediately. But keep in mind that if you didn't figure out how they were able to encrypt all of your data. Mm-hmm. You didn't figure out how they had administrative access. Yeah. You didn't figure out all the access that they have. They could be monitoring your key, uh, keystrokes. Yeah. It could be a fool's errand to reset your passwords when they can see everything that you type. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe reset them right away. Do your uh, do your forensic review. Do your investigation. Try to figure out how they got in. Figure out everything that's compromised, and then reset your passwords again. Mm-hmm. We're talking all of them, right? Yeah. Better to yeah. be safe than sorry. Yeah. And then it depends on the kind of ransomware that you have. And you can usually tell by the file extension of um, uh, of, of, of all the data that gets encrypted. A lot of times ransomware will roll through and it'll take all of your office documents and it will add a dot .xyz. And that .xyz might be dot .ransom, dot... Um, there, there's so many different... Um, file extensions that it, that it will do yeah the a better way to talk about this would be um pull some obvious indicators of compromise mm-hmm. figure out what what terms you can google um my ransom note said this one very particular sentence mm-hmm. put that into google with some quotes around it and try to see if there's um a lot of a lot of ransomware actors they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they 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 are just paying somebody else uh, that they found on Yandex.ru, uh, the Russian search engine. They're they're just paying somebody else who is who is better at ransomware than they are, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys, uh, they they may be encrypting all of your data with with insecure encryption. There are so many ransomware decryptors that are out there. And before you panic and you say, I got to buy Bitcoin and I got to send them over to that person to get my data back, or you say, I got to delete all these files or I got to restore from backup, do a quick cursory Google and see if your particular ransom note, yeah. your, your ransomware can just, you can download a, a utility from, um, what's it called? Bleeping Computer? Bleeping Computer. Bleepingcomputer.com, B-L-E-E, ping com- computer. Um, they've got a lot of ransomware decryptors that are out there. Mm-hmm. And if it's not one of the, if it's not Riot or if it's not, if it's not, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, organizations that get lucky in this way. You want to go through as many different possible paths to restoring your business before you say, yep, I've got to pay that ransom. Yeah. For all these reasons, right? We've talked about how the government has reclassified Paying ransoms as, as like terrorist yeah. stuff. Um, Jack Bauer will come get you if you do. You don't want to get on Jack Bauer's hit list. Um, you don't need to start paying the ransom buying Bitcoin. There's some people out there who have made easy encryptions. You can head to bleepingcomputer.com to figure out what kind of ransomware it is mm-hmm. based upon the file extension. Yeah. So do as much research as, as you can to figure out what your options are before you buy before you pay the ransom. If you have to pay the ransom, if you're just in that position, um, and Citadel wouldn't recommend this because the government speaks directly against this, um, 
there are services out there who will negotiate the rate that the ransomware bad guys will are willing to accept in order to give you their decryption key back. This is important for two reasons. Number one, a, a ransomware negotiator ensures that you get your decryption key. There's all these horror stories of, I paid the ransom, weeks went by, I never got my decryption key. So I just gave away $100,000 and I never got my data back. Mm-hmm. The ransomware negotiator will get that decryption key, right? They're, they're, they're ingrained in the business of ransomware. And then, of course, they also lower the amount that you have to spend. If the ransom note says it's going to be 130000 they might be able to get it down to fifty per mm-hmm. se. Um, whenever you get back to normal operations, you need to make sure that the way they got in is now closed. They got on. They got in through this person's um, account. Well, we deleted that account. We created a new account. We yeah. cycled the password. Whatever we did, you got to make sure that you you fully remediate the situation because if there's something that you've missed. You're just cutting one head off the Hydra. You're still compromised. You got your data back, but they could just encrypt it again. Yeah. Or they could, uh, you know, they could, there's so many things they can do. We, of course, recommend that that's when you reach out to somebody like Citadel to perform a forensic review so they can tell you, here's everything that got com- compromised. Here's everything that needs to be done in order to be clean again. Like, so for me, if that were to happen to me, I wouldn't even attempt going through the steps of the free ransomware stuff. I'm not going. I'm going to pay someone to do it. I don't have time. I just don't. Yeah. My day-to-day operations of running a theater, of having people come into the venue and, and like, shows, now I have to work twice as hard to make it work. That means I don't have time for anything related to fixing my situation with cybersecurity. Yeah. So a lot of the time, small businesses, even if you want preventative stuff, they just don't have the time to figure out the preventative stuff with you. I know how important and necessary it is. I look at it a different way. I look at it if you're going to spend all that time on whatever your business is, why wouldn't you spend an hour preventing some of you from just taking it away from you? I mean, this is a, I think this is a cool episode from how advertising works and protecting your privacy in that. To talking about how advertising works for us. Yeah, to talking about how advertising works for you and just like some bits on ransomware. The thing that you want to get across, you just gave for free in an audio clip. You can literally just cut that and put it in so people who don't want to read can listen to it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Citadel Podcast. You all have been quite the treat listening to us. Uh, You've been quite the treat. Quite the treat listening to us. Uh, We will be back again next week on Monday. We don't know what the topic is yet, but we're going to spend a whole week living our lives, figuring it out. We're going to hit you with another episode on Monday. They release at in the morning. If, uh... (laughs) (laughs) You want to go play video games? I'd love to. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun! Hey!